Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be spoiler free of details from future episodes, but we got full spoilers on for whenever we got to look back into the past and talk about what's happened before. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm Jason, and like Angel, I am also a fan -alo. I'm Harrison, and like Angel, I also killed the wrong man. <laughs> Jason, what episode are we watching today? Uh, Harrison, we are watching Angel Season 2, Episode 1, Judgment. This is the one where uh, Angel accidentally kills the wrong demon and uh, decides that he has to make up for it and... And kind of gets over a little bit of stage fright along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, I fully blame the powers that be for this mess. Yeah. <laughs> How about a little more clarity in your visions? <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe a big sign that says, do not kill. Mm -hmm. uh, Judgment was written by David Greenwalt and directed by Michael Lang. And it originally aired on September 26th, 2000. Jason, what are we drinking today? Well, we are drinking tequila, yeah. and the uh, we're doing a little shot of tequila, and the reason will become clear when we make the toast. Yeah. Um. So, uh, this um this we're actually recording this a little later than normal, uh, because uh, well, uh, this week Harrison and I lost a dear friend. Um, the theater company that we met at. Um. Way back in 2010, yeah. uh, it was run by uh, two people. Uh, it was a dream of two people, uh, Dan and Debbie Endress, and uh, they weren't only uh, amazing people in general, but uh, they treated us like their family. And I mean, we talk about how uh, on Buffy, we talk about all the time about the family that you find, and uh, they're both a. Uh, Definitely found family for us, yeah. and and their kids, uh, and their kids uh, Chelsea and Jalen, uh, lovely, wonderful people. That if we could ever get on the podcast, we would. Yeah. Um, but uh, this uh, this Monday, uh, Dan passed away, and uh, hit us kind of hard. Yeah, it was very uh, unexpected. Yes, um, um, but he went peacefully, according to Debbie. And uh, but I can say this uh, world's a little. World's a little bit of a sadder place without him in it, mm -hmm. and uh, but one thing that uh, he and Debbie absolutely loved to do, especially when there was company around, <laughs> was drink tequila. And so we don't normally do shots on this show, but uh, we're going to uh, do one for Dan. Gosh, I can't uh, think of how many times we were at their house, and I just heard, "Do you want to do a shot of tequila?" Also, they had the good tequila. Uh -huh. I mean, this is Jose Cuervo that we're doing, but like. De if there's one thing that Debbie is a snob about, it is tequila. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this um, this one goes out to Dan Andrus, uh, one of the one of the best men yeah. that I'll ever know, and I think we'll ever know. Cheers. I haven't shot tequila in a while. <laughs> And we're chasing it with wine because we're classy. 
Yep. <laughs> All right. Ooh. I'm kind of remembering why we don't do shots. Because <laughs> now these ugly noises we make are forever in posterity. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you can edit. <laughs> um, I can. But I won't. So, what better way to uh, start off a season of Angel than with a... Uh, Rather handsome looking devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who, as we, who, as I, far as we, oh, yeah, go for it. Go as I say, I was going to interrupt you. I forgot, even though we just watched it, that he shows up this early. Uh, our game that I alluded to last week. Um, so this new character, uh, uh, horny green fella, uh, and yes, I chose my words very specifically. Um, uh, he does have a real name. He does have a real name, uh, and I'm breaking our rules a bit to say that this character will become uh, a pretty major recurring character. For how long? Who knows? <laughs> but um, we actually will not learn his name for a pretty significant amount of time, and he will just be referred to as the host. So our game is who, who Harrison or Jason, and I honestly don't know if it who it will be or if it... If it will be either of us. Yeah, we might be able to actually pull it yeah. off and not reveal it. Who will slip up and call him by his name? That first? being said, if we do end up doing that, then it's not a huge it's, spoiler. No. Um, but it is a funny joke. I thought it would be fun because... <laughs> <Funny> joke? I <laughs> lost an entire planet, no Master Obi-Wan. <laughs> How embarrassing. Anyway, um, but yes, this character... We're just going to see how long will it take for one of us to slip up. Um, uh, but I think it's also just fun to say Jason and I love this character. Oh, we do. Um, he's played by the uh, remarkable Andy Hallett. Yes. Um, um, who yeah. unfortunately passed away um, sometime after the end of the show. Um, so we're just really getting off onto a start. Yeah. But you know um, what the host uh, opens up with? Is a nice little singing of "I Will Survive" by Gloria Gaynor, um, and he he also like as a host typically does. He puts in like a little bit of a scat. Is what that was? Is that what it is? Um, um, I don't know if it, like kind of his narration between. Yeah. I don't. I, I wouldn't I mean, call it not necessarily scat, scat but, but like a. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, he kind of <laughs> talks about just uh, L.A., how, you know, they're like the stars, the heartbreaks, and the demons. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so we start, and from that point on, we go to our girl Cordelia, who uh, is breaking up with a guy that looks remarkably like Josh Hartnett. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, when she slaps him... On the face, I think it. I think this is pretty obvious that it's um, that it's like. I guess it's a soap opera, or no? It's a play. It's a play because it's for an acting okay, class. Yeah. For some reason, I just seem to think that there were like cameras there. Um, well, I think it's an acting class, right? Yeah, that's what I took it to be. Um, that would explain why the script is in a very old book- looking <laughs> book. Uh, but um, yeah, and uh, in the script, there is no. Uh, there's no. Uh, prompt for her to slap this guy on the face, which she slaps for real. Yeah. And um, while he's bitching about it, uh, the director's like, I love it. This is so good. You were Eleanor. And uh, I love this for Corey. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, and hey, like it's good to know that there are like female directors out there directing female actresses. Yeah. Love it. Um, and uh, but Cordy gets the nine one one page because yeah, we're still using pagers even though it's uh, what, are we still in the two thousand two thousand? Are we still in two thousand? Tail end, tail end. Yeah, that makes sense. That tracks. Um, a brief, very very brief aside. I swear. Um, this the slap bit reminds me of a scene. There's a this musical called Bear. It's actually a pop opera. Um, I've seen it. Uh, oh, when Pandora did it. Yes. So there's a subplot where the teenage characters. Um, for anyone listening, it's a great musical. I won't delve into it, but it's very gay and it's also very 2006 gay. So for all that that entails. <laughs> But um, there's a subplot where the teens are in a production of um, Romeo and Juliet, a musical version, and the character of Nadia has been cast as the nurse, and the character of Ivy uh, is Juliet, and they have pretty intense rivalry going on. And there's this bit where Sister Chantel, the nun, uh, who's directing it, it's set at a Catholic school, uh, is going through like notes for all the cast, and she's like, oh, and Nadia, at no point does the nurse slap Juliet. <laughs> and that pays off great later in the kind of a montage of scenes of re- them rehearsing right out of nowhere, the <laughs> Nadia slaps Ivy <laughs> in the rehearsal, and she's just like, I just really think there's a slap there. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Oh man, that yeah, that that show gave me the feels. It's it's a um, it's a show that very much gives me the feels, but it's also a show that I if if I saw it blind today or if it was like written today and I watched it, I'd be I'd hate it mm-hmm. because it is it's very much a product of its time. Um and I can watch it and appreciate it as a product of its time, but it's doing a lot of stuff that nowadays I just for newer works I have no patience for. Well, I mean, I guess that's a good sign because it means that uh, things are getting maybe increment incrementally better. Incrementally, yeah. yeah. It's mostly. I'll, I'll just be real. Skip ahead thirty seconds if you don't want to know the ending of Bear. It's that Jason dies at the end. Yeah. Not not our Jason. <laughs> um, and that's a very two thousand six and before thing. Bear yeah. your gaze. Um, so anyway, that's my side about slapping people. But uh, but yeah, and uh, we go to Wesley, who is uh, showing off for uh, some guys at a pub and for a uh, rather fetching looking young woman. He would have gotten some if that pager hadn't gone off. Yeah, but uh, he um, he has a f- he has a fantastic grouping in a game of darts. Uh, but he of course uh, does get the page and says, "Well, I have to give you all a uh, rematch some other time," and. Uh, while he's um, while he's looking at the uh, young lady, he uh, he decides to be all cool and throw a dart without looking. And of course, you hear off screen that some guy gets hit. <laughs> this is works. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. But it also is a great encapsulation of where Wesley is. He's grown a lot. Yeah, he's still a dumbass he, a bit. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, he, he's a goof, but he's a competent goof. Yeah, competent uh, goof. <laughs> Oh, that's his title from now on. He's <laughs> got little cards. Wesley Wyndham Price, competent goof. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the 911 pages are uh, to, in fact, meet up with Angel at a gym of all places. A, a nice looking gym. A very, very big one. It's like, it's like a Planet Fitness, but not trashy. Uh, <laughs> As someone who went to Planet Fitness for several years... Same here. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, <laughs> Angel is walking in, and uh, Bo- and Cordelia and Wesley following behind him, and they are 
extremely rocking the power walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're followed by uh, this uh, uh, this administrator for the gym who looks like he's a red shirt from the Starship Enterprise. So when you said that while we were watching, you were like, go back to the Enterprise. I had a second where I hadn't registered the shirt he was wearing yet. So I was like looking at the actor's face. I was like, wait, is it a Star Trek actor that I don't no, no, no. And then, then, then the shirt registered. Literally, yeah, and literally, I was like, Holy literally shit. looks like a red shirt from the Star Trek, the original series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and he's just like, hey, you can't, you can't come in here. It's like members only. And Angel, uh, Angel Cordy and Wes get to a, get to a mirror, and of course, uh, Angel's reflection isn't there, which freaks out this guy. And uh, Angel um, is like, oh, something's wrong with your mirror. I'll fix it. And then bashes through it. Hot. And uh, then we see a bunch of people about to be, like, sacrificed for a weird-ass ritual. Yeah, you know, generic Buffy yeah. Angel demon ritual. And uh, Angel and Wesley go into fight, and Cordy grabs a free weight. And, uh, and like, when Wesley knocks the guy down, Cordy just drops the weight on his head. Uh, Good job, Cordy. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, whole team. Yeah, because that they they, they they take care of it quick. This was extremely yeah. This was extremely efficient. Yeah, and uh, then we have our opening credits with a little bit of an addition. Yeah, Mister. I would say I before we yeah. get to our fun addition. I just want to say just it, what I said to you while we were watching. This opening scene is so efficient at what it's telling us. Um, we get to see the gang in action. You know, reintroduces us to all of the characters uh, at this point. Um, um, not all of, obviously, Gunn's not in this scene, but, like, our our main cast from season one. Mm-hmm. And showing just how in sync they all are. Um, and like the Buffy vs. Dracula premiere, it's a very... It's a great setting up that foundation of where uh, we are at this point in our story. So, yep. Anyway. And, now tell uh, me who's in the opening credits. Mr. J. August Richards, aka Charles Gunn, is now a main character. Woo! I love Gunn. Yeah, he's he's, he's so, so great. Good. And uh, it took him a while to show up in this episode, but uh, over the over the season, he's going to get like a lot closer yeah. to the group because he actually gets to meet uh, Cordy and West today consciously. Yes. <laughs> um, it, no, you're right. It is interesting that his role is actually. Very similar to his role in the last two episodes of season one, where he's still kind of, even though he's in the main cast, he's still kind of ancillary. But that's fine with me at this stage. We'll, you know, if he was just with them at the beginning, I'd be like, when did Gunn join the gang? Meeting Cordy and Wes is an important step. Yeah. yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, so the gang is working out of Cordelia's apartment, um, which. uh, Cordelia's a little annoyed about, and Phantom Dennis is really annoyed about. Uh, but uh, obviously, their old office exploded. Um, but uh, we have uh, a bo- they have their board that where they keep track of like all their cases and their progress, and they're making some pretty good progress. Uh, it's nice and efficient, as we said before. And uh, Wesley is starting to talk about how it's possible that the demon that was summoned. That the demon that they just killed might have been the demon that Wolfram and Hart summoned at the end of the season one finale in that box. Uh, we all know that it isn't uh, because it's not Darla. It wasn't a wasn't a hot blonde. No, uh, but 
But uh, meanwhile, Angel was kind of thinking about the gym because he was thinking about all the different things that he could do there once he becomes human. So the uh, the uh, Shanshu prophecy is still on his mind. Uh, but as we discover in the episode, a little too much on his mind. Yeah. I like that um, through line. I, I love the whiteboard It's because it's very different from how we've seen them handle cases in season one. Um, and I like that they kind of acknowledge that it's almost like they're using it as a scoreboard. Um, yeah. Which is, like, I'm all about efficiency, but also they're straying a bit from the mission. Not too far. Not in a way that's mm-hmm. too concerning, but something that it's they a, know. Yeah, unfortunately, like, when they have it set up like this, it becomes a checklist. It becomes something like, hey... Let's get it done, and once it's done, it's done, when the entire point of these missions is for Angel to get closer to humanity, just as Doyle was saying right. at the beginning of the show. Um, we And uh, Cordy has a, a series of sneezes, then a vision. Uh, <laughs> Angel breaks one of her figurines. Rude. Uh, well, I mean, in all fairness, he did do it because out of concern for her. Yes, but she did tell him to put all the put them down yeah. in the first place. Yeah, I was to say she did tell him to put them yeah. down, and then he picked it up again. But yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but Cordelia just sees a nasty looking demon. She doesn't know what it is, and so uh, Wesley just gets, starts going into research mode. At Wolfram and Hart, we've got uh, Lila uh, going to see Lindsay, and uh, it's a very short but effective uh, part uh, scene. Because uh, this is all we get of Wolfram and Hart yeah. uh, this episode, but uh, uh, let me let me make sure that this this line has got to be in the Buffy wiki. But this is one of my favorite Wolfram and Hart lines. Um, come on, Lila! Oh my gosh, it's not. They, you know what? The Buffy wiki is great, but sometimes it is disappointing what quotes it chooses. But uh, anyway, Lila is on the phone with a uh, with a client, and uh, she says. Uh, either you play ball with me or I'll sue you and eat your children. I'm just kidding. Nobody wants a lawsuit. <laughs> that is the most Wolfram and Hart ah, thing you could possibly say. It's so good. It's so good. And just Stephanie Romanov, ladies and gentlemen, like, the woman is phenomenal. But, uh, as, uh, as Lila walks into Lindsay's office, she sees Lindsay struggling to uh, open a CD case because, hey, dude only has a uh, dude only has one real hand. Yep, makes and, a pretty shitty joke at his expense. Yeah, uh, <laughs> who are you, Spike? Or no, An- Angelus. Angelus was the yes. one who was. Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's trying to uh, put on a CD for Darla because mm-hmm. Darla really enjoys uh brahms Mm -hmm. and uh that kind of opera it's brahms and beethoven he says yeah basically she she doesn't like russians yeah so Uh, no tchaikovsky for her yep do not play darla the 1812 overture (laughs) but she um or uh sleeping beauty don't yeah not sleeping beauty Sleeping beauty tchaikovsky uh yeah he has a version i was and i was gonna say and don't get her fucking started on swan lake (laughs) (laughs) You know, Russians, they, they, made some nice ball- they made some nice ballets. Yeah. I, uh, but um, she, uh, yeah, she's still a little, uh, 
She's a little insane in the membrane. She was giving me some Drusilla vibes, actually. Yeah. Like, uh, not, not, not that. Not far. that far, but like, but, uh, she's still yeah, adjusting. Yeah. And, uh, but she is very much aware of Angel being in the city. And, uh, she wants to see that boy. I'm like, ooh, that's weird, but kind of hot. It's, I mean, it's so hot. <laughs> I, and she's like, he killed me. Uh, yeah, uh, if you guys don't remember, that was way back in season one mm-hmm. of Buffy. My first episode on the show as a guest host. Fuck yeah. And it's, it's so, it's so funny because I remember, I remember us having a discussion at the time where in that episode we were like, oh, Darla really feels like a character now. Like she, in the pilot, she was just kind of the master's generic lackey number two. Um, she, you know, she had that iconic entrance as the first character we see on the show. Yeah. But other than that, she doesn't do much to stand out until we get to Angel, the episode. Um, but then she's killed so quickly. She dies. So it's so awesome that this character who we've seen get bits and flashes of being really, really interesting is like fully fucking in the mix. And I'm here goddamn for it. Mm-hmm. I love Julie Benz. I love Darla. Anyway, go ahead. I'm stuck like this. <laughs> uh, so um, Angel's trying to sketch the demon uh, based on Cordelia's descriptions. And uh, Dennis throws a book at Wesley. And as Wesley's like leafing through the pages, uh, Cordelia does see a picture of the demon, which is called a Priomotu. And uh, it is known for being an incredibly vicious killer. Uh, and so now they know what to, they know. Um, they know who they have to like. They realize, oh, we're up against this thing, but we don't know like where it is. And that's when Wesley says, like, well, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a proud, like, oh yeah, well, just so you know. I've been building up our underground contacts. Uh, I have worth, I promise. Yeah, and uh, he, he he knows this uh, snitch demon. Uh, I don't know if that's his technical species name, but he is a demon and a snitch. Uh, his name is Merle. And uh, Merle is a decent source of information. However, the place that he hangs out, a little, little, uh, not what the gang is used to. And it is a um, what is the what is the name of the club called? It's a uh, Caritas. Caritas, that's which, what it is. Fuck, is Latin for um, it te- they they said it in the episode. It's like mercy. Is it mercy? Uh, yes, okay. I believe so. Uh, yes. And what's so cool about Caritas is, it, as is, oh, I almost lost the game. Not that game, but now we've lost that game, too. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I, I came really close. Um, as the host tells us, uh, or as we, and as we learn, it's a sanctuary bar. Um, no weapons or violence is allowed in the bar. Um, and we'll learn a little bit more about what all that means in later episodes. But I, I love that idea that this is a... it's. Because it almost is the show's answer to Willie's. Um, and, uh, but I love this idea of it's like all these demons coming together. They might be good, they might be bad, we don't know. 
Um, but it's a it's a safe place for all of them. And uh, as this lizard demon on stage is singing, I'm so excited by the Pointer Sisters. Nice. Um, which good song, but not the Pointer Sisters' best song. Ooh. I would say that their best song is Automatic. Okay. I'm not. I'm not well versed enough in the Pointer Sisters' uh, discography. To 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 comment on the matter, but I just remember this episode of Blackish where uh, they uh, like they talk about um, uh, Bo is talking to Dre about how uh, you take a little too much after your mother. And earlier in the episode, um, Dre's mom had said that the uh, Ruby had said that the uh, greatest song ever written was "Automatic" by the Pointer Sisters, and then. Um, and then at the very end of the episode, they start playing the song, and Dre's just like, he's like, wow, this song is one of the best songs ever. <laughs> and then I actually listened to the whole thing on Spotify, like, oh my god, this song actually does slap hard. So yeah, um, Automatic by the Pointer Sisters. Check it out. All right. um, yes, Wesley explains that it is a sanctuary, uh, and then the host, as the, as the demon finishes singing the song the host is like i'm gonna go talk to this guy so here's another person coming up to sing as well and that's when uh um wesley explains that the host can actually stop it (laughs) no i was thinking what cordelia says all right i wasn't laughing at you i was laughing at cordelia the host is um and i can't remember the word like anagogic anagogic or something like that it could be something that sounds like the word anorexic which is what cordelia yeah cordelia's like oh it looks looks like eats well to me (laughs) uh but yes so basically the host can um read almost like tell fortunes Mm -hmm. um and uh see the souls and the way to bear your soul the most is by singing which i love i love this and i love it's like it actually it remains kind of a thing throughout the series mm-hmm. uh but yeah and um and also as we said before um in the season one finale of angel with the oracles dead uh they kind of uh their purpose is kind of fulfilled by the host. Yes. Who I think is a much better character than the two oracles. Um, obviously, there's the powers that be. Um, and I don't know if the host has a connection to the powers that be. So I don't think it's ever confirmed one way or the other. But I do think that there is implications that his his abilities do connect him to the powers. Um, but yes, I totally agree with you. And listen, I loved the oracles. I especially love the mean gay oracle. <laughs> but you know what? I agree with you. I love nice gay hosts more. Yes. Um, uh, because yes, I'm sorry. I the host is queer. Oh yeah, no, he's he is hitting on Angel yeah. so hard. Yeah, like the host is a queer yeah. character. I personally believe the host is pansexual. Um, I can but, see that. Uh, but yeah. The host is, I mean, just from this episode already, the host gets to be a character mm-hmm. more than the oracles ever did. Yeah, they were kind of just performing a function almost. Yeah, and and they were great at it. Yeah. They, like, I, I appreciate the function that the, the oracles performed. I loved their makeup and their design. But the host takes what they brought us and just 
brings it to the next level with personality and charisma. Yep. A great design. Like yeah. I love his. I love the the kind of classic devil look, but in like the nicest, sharpest fucking suit. Yes. Yeah. Love the host. Okay. Yeah, and the and the enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Just, but uh, yeah, and so he asks Angel if he wants to sing, and Angel's like, "There are three things I don't do: tan, date, and sing in public." Which means that he still sings in private. You know he's a shower singer. He's definitely a shower singer. Um, and the song we hear later is definitely his go-to shower song. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't sung into the shower a few times. That's a good song. I love that song. Uh, as I said before, I'm a bit of a fan of it. But we'll get to that. Um, so they did end up talking to Merle while they were at the bar. And... Uh, and Merle ends up giving them a location. Angel finds a uh, the Primotu. It seems appears to be going after a pregnant woman, and so Angel decides that like, oh hey, I'm taking this guy out. He's a known killer, and uh, he does. Uh, he snaps his neck, and of course the girl's like, oh my god, what did you do? And he says like, I, I killed him. And uh, yeah, so Angel shouldn't have done that. Yeah. This is, this to me is one of the first times in a while that the show's been really successful at its bait and switch. Um, like, like you mentioned at the beginning, um, when Cordelia's breaking up with that guy, we kind of knew right away. Even, I think, on our first time viewings, we'd gotten so used to the show pulling the stunt. It, it does it at the very beginning of the episode with the introduction of the host where yeah. he appears kind of menacingly with scary music and, and then, then starts, starts singing. singing. I will survive. <laughs> so like, but this right, like the he wasn't supposed to kill the demon actually in my I think really is surprising. I do want to shout out Justine Machado who's the actress who plays uh, the pregnant woman who does she have a name? Is she named in the episode? I actually don't know. I really hope she's uh, not, so that I don't feel shitty for just calling her the pregnant woman. Um, what, Joe? Um, but I don't like that's what it says in the wiki. But I in no way ever okay. heard her name, Joe. Okay, so Justine Machado, who plays Joe, who I think she does a great job in this episode. Um. I think most modern audiences will know her from the Netflix uh, One Day at a Time, um, where she's the lead. But um, I personally am most familiar with her, because I haven't watched that, as Vanessa, I think is her name, on Six Feet Under. Um, I haven't seen Six Feet Under, so don't look to me. She's... (laughs) um, Gosh, and I can't remember... So, the... The Fisher family, who owns the the the, the main characters, uh, they the the other employee whose name is Fernando, I think. Oh, I think uh, Frederico. Frederico. I think uh, Harrison's in the beginning stages of planning a rewatch of Six Feet Under. No, I actually recently finished one, so <laughs> we're good. Um, we Frederic- don't have time to do all this. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, for a while I didn't have a job. Um, oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, n- now it's much harder. Um, Frederico, the, the character Frederico, uh, Justine Machado plays his wife. She's a pretty significant okay. recurring character on Six Feet Under. So, anyway. But, uh, yeah, she is very upset, uh, because, 
Um, she's in Final Destination 2 as well. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's extremely upset because this uh, this Prio, um, Priomoto is supposed to be her protector. And Angel, Angel like freaks out a little bit because, I mean, he's... He's been on this roll of doing, like, all this good stuff, which has been apparently, he's like, you know, go in, kill the demon. Unfortunately, he's, like, all of that kind of, like, it, like his momentum is just completely mm-hmm. stopped. And it's also, um, it's, the episode doesn't, the episode points us at it, but doesn't lay it on really thick, which I actually think is for the best. Um, the idea that how easily could it have been Angel in this situation where yes. someone came in and, and that's saw a, a vampire? And, and that's actually in the next scene. Yeah, um, with Wesley. Yeah, because uh, Angel's telling them what happened. Uh, Cordy says that she didn't say that he was a killer. That's what Wesley said because that's what the book said. And uh, Angel's just like, you know, he's a fellow soldier. He's doing what I did. And... And, uh, yeah, Wesley goes into that, oh, it's not, how are we supposed to know that he's just some, you know, horrible being that ended up being a crusader for, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that the episode doesn't dwell on it, but it's, it does enough to let us be like, this is complicated. Yeah. And messy. And, and uh, yeah, Angel is like, oh, his mission is now my mission. I need to find that girl. And, uh, so... Um, he, uh, goes to Merle, who he's like, has, he is giving zero fucks about at the moment (laughs) because, uh, he knows that like Merle kind of set him up to do that. And Merle explains that like, oh, the tribunal is, um, there's a bounty on Joe's unborn daughter. Uh, it's supposed to be like a powerful force for good. And he, um, and now that Angel's taken out the Prio, um, basically there's going to be demons all around looking for her and that she won't be able to escape the tribunal. Mm-hmm. And uh, Which, oh, didn't mention before, um, right before Joe runs away from Angel, she does say that like he was pre- the Priamoto was supposed to protect her from the tribunal. Uh, but we don't really know what that is. Yeah. Um, well, we still kind of don't at the end of this episode. But yeah, uh, so Angel, Angel is able to get uh, where the Prio was living like what area of time is living out of um out of merle which leads him to like oh i'm gonna go and try to find hopefully that's where joe's at and uh so then we have gun uh yes charles gunden makes his appearance unfortunately uh he's he and his gang are uh coming up to this guy who's getting into his car the guy sees a black man in a hoodie and just assumes oh my god here just take the car and runs away you know um in epidemiology, the community episode, yeah. where Chang is the racist prover. <laughs> Proven racist by the racist prover. Yeah. Uh, like, almost to the point that it's comical, <laughs> except that... Except that it's not, because I... That absolutely... What was the... Uh, what was like the uh, the ice scare they was was it Nancy Car- it wasn't Nancy Kerrigan it was um, um so they were all guessing um, yeah they guessed uh, Christina Yamaguchi and uh, Michelle Kwan right uh, but I can't remember who he actually was dressed as he doesn't say Tanya Harding does he no no it's not Tanya no Harding. I was looking. um 
Hang on. Uh, you keep oh going on with God. the episode. I'm going to look this up. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, yes. While Jason looks this up, uh, they run after him. Uh, because, of course, Gunn and his crew are not there for this guy. They're fighting... Uh, they, they're tracking a vampire that attacks this dude. And they... They save him. They're like, Gun is like, just go home, motherfucker. And that's when Angel shows up and is like, I need your help. Um, and Gun's, I love the Gun's like, yeah, yeah, I'll help you. Because uh, Gun's, Gun's cool. Gun's cool. He is cool. Um, God, why is this taking so... It wasn't on the Wikipedia page. Uh, Chang. Um, oh, he's Peggy Fleming. Peggy Fleming! Yes! <laughs> like, I, I will say, I, I am surprised at how many professional skaters I actually... Professional ice skaters I do know. Um, but I could not remember Peggy Fleming. I've heard of Peggy Fleming, but I would not have been able to guess that. I'm also shocked that I didn't... Mostly because that's one of the community episodes I rewatch the most frequently. Like... Honestly, it's getting around in time to we should rewatch that again because oh, Halloween I episodes. Have. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. good. It's yeah, a, it's, it is a go-to Halloween episode, but also probably their like, best Halloween episode too. I think so. Yeah, uh, the season three Halloween episodes are really, really good with all the different but, stories. Yes. Yeah, but it's that season. The epidemiology is. I mean, they're they're trapped in they're trapped in the library, and the only thing they have is. Uh, the Dean's shopping list and the best hits of ABBA. Um, all right, let's get away from this. Uh, so a, a gun has agreed to help. Yes, and uh, they do in fact find the lair, which looks remarkably like Gun's gang's hideout from when we first met him. Let's um, uh, let's let's use the word crew instead of gang because I feel like okay, fair enough. Sorry. Like, no, sorry. No, it's like, yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just used to saying like and the gang. Right. Um, yeah. I totally understand that. Yeah. But it is a yeah, it's guns a crew. Word. Pardon me. No. Um yeah, guns crew. Uh and however, this is um where uh the Priamoto was. His name is Kamal as they uh go through his stuff, and uh Angel finds a talisman um that uh he thinks might be important for the tribunal. Um, he wants to keep looking for Joe, so he gives the talisman a gun, and he gives him the card with the address to Cordelia's apartment, because yeah. their office has exploded. Yeah. I uh, will say, and this isn't a, a hit on the episode, because it it's not the most important thing. Like, But there's a lot, I think this episode takes a lot of shortcuts in areas. Gun recognizing that that vent wasn't there before. Angel just knowing how to find the talisman. There's a lot of leaps and I know we deal with that a lot on this show and Buffy of just kind of leaps but it honestly didn't bother me in the slightest it's and the, I think the episode itself is strong enough that I I overlook those leaps but I just noticed more of them than usual but I'm fine with it ultimately because it's not what matters yeah um so uh Gunn asks him like what is he gonna do just soak up the guilt and it's like yeah sort of and uh there's this really nice scene where um there was a candle in front of, like, I, what I assumed was a Buddha statue. It looked like a Buddha statue. Um, yeah. But uh, it had burned out, and uh, it was, like, down to, like, kind of its last little bit of wax. So Angel grabs a, uh, a fresh candle and lights it, kind of, like, in remembrance of Kamal. And, uh, sorry, it's weird saying that name because 
I always associate that name with two other things. Um, one it is a character in Magic the Gathering um, who uh, is a very important part of the uh, Onslaught and Odyssey expansion set. Uh, and uh, also, um, when I was in third grade, I had a um, our class had pen pals in Nepal, and uh, my pen pal's name was Kamal Bandir Karki. Um, yes, and uh, yeah, I honestly like a little sad that I didn't keep up with that after third grade, but uh, it was it was really cool. It was like it found a way to learn about a culture that probably nobody thinks about. Uh, but yes. Uh, well, it's interesting you say that because they do mention when they're um, talking about uh, what demon it might be, they do mention like uh, several kind of Middle Eastern uh, slash Eastern Asian uh, locations that this demon could be before they narrowed it down to uh, to, to the Priamotu. Um, and I'm just kind of curious, and I'm looking at the wiki right now. And there is, like, the Buddhist statue there, the Buddhist right. statue there, which Buddhism is very much the religion in, uh, in a, well, it's, a, there's Buddhism and there's Hinduism, because Nepal's actually right between China and India. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. The, the wiki does not say one way or another if this specific demon is of that uh, region, but I, I do think they are priming us to believe that that's where the species comes from. Yeah, which is interesting. There you go. Um, yeah, so Joe shows up because she needs the uh, the coat of arms for the tribunal. She's still mad at Angel. Um, yeah, yeah, because uh, she does mention like not only was uh, Kamal her protector, but also her friend, her only friend. And uh, but she says that she needs that. She can't hasn't been able to find it. And Angel's like, wait a minute, I did find it. And she's like, oh, great, where is it? It's like, I just, it's not with me. If you like go to this address, then we'll get there. And, uh, but she's like extremely pissed. Like, oh my God, stop helping me. And as she tries to leave, she's attacked by a demon. Angel is fighting him, but like calls like, all right, is it okay that I kill him? <laughs> as he's fighting this demon, she's like, yes, kill him! And uh, they're on the run from... And so they're running, and uh, they come out of a uh, into a cellar, and when they go out, they see this uh, abandoned hotel. Mm. Yeah, um, we'll learn more about this hotel. Uh, <laughs> yes, but right now it's just kind of like really dark, a little creepy. Uh, all the furniture's covered up, but Angel's kind of looking around. He's getting some ideas, I think. And Joe notices she's like, "You've been here before, haven't you?" Um, and he's like, oh, I'm Angel, I, I, I won't share anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so more of the demons that, uh, more demons attack, and uh, Angel tells Joe to go find, like, go to that hotel, like, go to the apartment, and you'll find, like, the talisman people there who will protect you. Um, so G Gun does get to uh, the, ho the apartment, uh, knocks on the door, and they're like, who is it? Gun. Like, oh, it's a demon with a gun. My God. <laughs> like, my name is Gun. Angel sent me. Like, oh. And then we, so it's a nice, <laughs> nice awkward way to meet. Uh, nice awkward way for them to meet. Uh, but yes, it is. Um, this is the first time uh, Wesley and Angel, uh, excuse me, Wesley and Cordelia meet Gun. Yeah. And uh, 
And as he tells them, not the first time he's met them, yes. he saw them in bed. But yeah. <laughs> and, he's like, and when Wes is like, oh, don't worry about it, he's like, you two now, now just a minute here. <laughs> But, uh, there you go, Wesley. <laughs> but yeah, he does. Uh, he does explain that like uh, he watched over them while Angel uh, after the office exploded, um, and you know that's why Wes was in there. But Cordy was in there because the visions were killing her. Yeah. Uh, but he um, and yeah, <laughs> Cordy really tries to just be cool. Doesn't work. Uh, so yeah, a little bit of an awkward meeting, but he does give them the uh, coat of arms. Uh, Angel does uh, Angel does get to them, but unfortunately, Joe never went because Angel knew that like she never trusted him. Okay, that, that was, uh, that's interesting. That was going to be my question I had because I was unclear in this point. Was it that she? didn't trust him so didn't go or well that's what angel, she got lost well that's what angel assumed because angel said like she never trusted me she never she was never gonna come here so i just assumed that like oh she okay. had no plans to do it because i mean she, um she didn't have the coat of arms so and she didn't ever protect her anymore she still doesn't trust angel so she's just like trying to get out of town okay that's it the way I, the way i kind of viewed it was and it's mostly just the way she's kind of wandering aimlessly is that maybe she got lost. Because, Could be. Because all she got was an address in Los Angeles <laughs> when she doesn't have access to the internet. Or a, or it seems a car. Or a car. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, and yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, this pisses Angel off. Um, and uh, hits, he hits that whiteboard that they've had set up. And... Uh, and he says, like, you know, I, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel, thinking that, like, you know, it's almost over. I'll get to be human again. And um, it's like, yeah. You know, and Cordelia says, you know what? We all got a little cocky and everything. So, um, and, it, and it may be a long time before he becomes human, but she's going to be with him all the way. And, you know, like, Wesley feels that way, too. Because they're, you know, they're, they're angel investigations. It's a lovely scene and you know I love a heart to heart between Cordy and Angel Yeah, that, that's like I, I mean I do think the show is the strongest in those quiet moments between these two characters um, which if you way back at Welcome to the Hellmouth if you had said like the emotional core of Angel is going to be the relationship between Angel and Cordelia I would have been like are you stupid? Yeah, um, but yeah, and we've talked really time again about how how much um, not only Angel grows but also Cordelia grows, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's it, it's a we love seeing it. I also love that Cordelia does need clarification. <laughs> Is he talking about a real literal <laughs> or a metaphor? Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, Wesley does figure out that um, it's uh, the talisman has to be presented before the chair of judgment, which is an ancient court. And it has to settle grievances of the battle to the death. So, um, Kamal is supposed to be Joe's champion. And, uh, and like, he asks Wes, where's the, uh, where's the tribunal going to be? He's like, he's, he has no idea. Um, and so he has to find Joe. And all, only one way to get information. And uh, then we cut to Angel singing Mandy by Barry Manilow at the um, at a Caritas, and 
He's not good. I I love David Boreanaz. I have no idea if he can actually sing in real life. I don't think he can. I don't think he yeah. Can. This seems you know you know how you can kind of tell when someone's singing poorly on like TV. Yeah. But you can kind of tell that it's on purpose. Yeah. This is all very genuine. Yeah. Um but yeah, and I uh but I love this because this starts many things. Uh, the 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 least of which, or one of my favorites of which, is um, it's revealed throughout the series that Angel loves Barry Manilow, and I love that. I, I love it. Yeah, like Angel allows us to get so much development for the character of Angel, and you never would have thought in any of his time on Buffy that he was a fan of Barry Manilow. But I love that they can introduce that. It's so wacky, but you gotta love it. Yeah, I know, and I think that's what's so great about it is it's kind of wacky. And that's what Angel as a character, I don't want to say was missing. It it was fine that Angel was dark and brooding when he was a supporting character on Buffy. You gotta have more layers than that. He has to have more layers. And you know what? Angel loves Barry Manilow. That's a great layer for him to have. He's Uh a Manilow. Um, Which, have you ever seen the Barry Manilow episode of Will and Grace? I haven't. So this is an episode of Will and Grace where, um, uh, it's, uh, Will is in line to get tickets for Barry Manilow and it's like really hot ticket. It's like a huge line. People are like camping out. Uh, and it guest stars Sarah Gilbert, uh, famously, uh, Darlene on Roseanne and the Connors. And, and, um, uh, uh, God, oh, her, she's, she's in the Big Bang Theory. Uh, yeah, for like a hot minute. Yeah. Um, um, oh, God. Les- Leslie Winkle? No, that's not right. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But she's she's like the guest, kind of the guest star of that episode, and she's a woman that Will meets in line. And there's this whole thing throughout the episode where like various characters like pop in line. It like, was Leslie Winkle. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> um, various characters like you, the, the main cast, Karen, Will, and Jack, like hold Will's spot in the line so he can, like, run to the bathroom or something and they interact. Uh, and it's it, it's a pretty funny episode, but there's this moment. They, they keep using the word fanalo to refer to Barry Manilow fans. And, um, and listen, I'm about to use a slur uh, for homosexuals. I guess you're allowed to. I'm going to, but if anyone's listening who might be upset by the F slur, just hit your 30-second ahead button. I'm giving you that chance right now. I'm going to say it, but I'm also... I want to give you that chance to skip ahead. But there's a moment where Karen is talking... uh, Introduces herself to uh, Sarah Gilbert's character. And she's like... uh, um, Sarah Gilbert's like, I'm a fan of Lowe. She's like, I'm Karen. This is Will. He's a fag of (laughs) Lowe. Oh my god, how could you say that? (laughs) Uh, I think it's funny. I know it's not okay, but I think... Um, but it's a good episode, and Barry Manilow makes a guest appearance in it because it was Will and Grace. Where if they could get a celebrity to make a guest appearance, they did get a celebrity yeah. to make a guest appearance. Uh, Matt Damon posing as a gay man to be in the gay men's chorus. That episode's fucking hilarious. <laughs> so funny. But uh, but yeah, so um, but yeah, he sings it. He gets he he finishes it up. Um, but yeah, nobody's really. Uh, Nobody's really clapping for him or anything. Wesley but, and Cordy are horrified. 
but but the host very much is trying. He's like, oh, how about this? The vampire with soul. But yeah, so then he takes Angel's side, and Angel's trying to trying to get all the information that he can. And the host asks, like, oh, first you got to tell me. You got to be truthful, because I'll know. Why did you pick Mandy? He's like, well, I know all the words. And I think it's pretty. He's like, yeah, you do, you big softy. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Um, so, uh, and he says that Joe can't c- escape the tribunal because wherever she is, it's going to appear. Uh, but he does give, um, he does tell Angel uh, where Joe is. And, um, but yeah, like, uh, Angel asks, will I be able to save her? He's like, you have to try. Which I love that. Um, that's that's really good. So yes, Yoda would hate it. But <laughs> <laughs> Joe, uh, Joe, we do see Joe, and uh, right in the middle of, a, of an LA street, not a not a crowded LA street, but uh, right in the middle of a street. A um, I know it's because of what's going to happen, how they need to film it, but I definitely was like. There's a sidewalk right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the tribunal does appear. It's three uh, hooded demons. And um, then a demon knight on horseback shows up. And uh, he throws down his medallion. And uh, the tribunal says, uh, where is your champion, your coat of arms? And uh, she says, I don't have it. And, uh, and they say, like, well, your life is forfeit then. But... Our boy shows up, throws down the coat of arms, and says, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> what? This week's gay agenda is how horny I was when Angel threw that medallion down and volunteered to be her champion. Also, while his shirt was torn, exposing his bloody torso, and I was thinking, ooh, so many wounds that could be... <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's funny because, like, he never has time to change out of that shirt. We don't get a full torso shot, but we get, like, torso tees. And I see. <laughs> I, was, I was... I had a bit of a chub. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. 69% game! <laughs> you weren't lying. Um, so yeah, so then we get a uh, then we get a joust match because sure, and you know what I like that I like that they're like trying to and all I could think of was like the rules for jousting that I learned from uh, from a Knight's Tale um, and I recommend that movie if you haven't seen it uh, one of another great showcase for uh, Heath Ledger. Oh gosh, it's probably been fifteen years since I've seen that movie. I need to. That's one of Alex Hall's favorite movies, so I find myself actually watching it with him. Almost like watching Halloween with you, really. Nice. Um, or Alien with you. <laughs> you know what? If there were two movies that you were like, these are the movies I watched with you, and you said those two, I'd be like, thank you. Yeah, I honestly think I may have only seen uh, Halloween without you maybe twice, and uh, Alien without you maybe twice. But, I'm uh, really sorry to say that I've seen both of those movies without you a lot. I'm, but that's more about how much I watch. Them yeah, yeah. Not, oh. No, you've got you've got good taste in movies, mostly. <laughs> you do like the scream movies, though. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, they have a jousting match. Angel does get knocked off his horse, which in Jousting rules, according to Knight's Tale, means that uh, not only does the uh, demon knight win, but he also gets Angel's horse. 
Um, I do find it kind of funny because Angel does his best with the jousting, even though Joe at this point is convinced, like, oh, you're not good at anything, are you? <laughs> but uh, then the sword fight commences, you know, a classic Angel uh, smackdown. And uh, he stabs Angel with the sword, and uh, he's about to... And the, at first the tribunal says, like, oh, the champion has been defeated. Uh, you, you, you're, like, the life of you is now uh, to this end. Angel just gets up because he's a fucking vampire. And, uh, like... Yeah, and uh, and decapitates the knight. He's like, oh, I'd like to challenge that ruling. And, uh, but yeah, so... Joe and her child are now under uh, the tribunal's protection until the unborn girl comes of age. I feel so bad for Joe. Like, she didn't ask for any of this shit. She has that that speech where she talks about how, like, everyone cares about her child because the child's going to be a seer or a warrior or a Joan of Arc. And she's like, but she's my daughter. Yeah. Like, and it's... I, we don't know really anything about this tribunal or really what's going on with this storyline and we never will this is not a thread yeah picked up. And, and, and you know like i kind of i kind of wish that maybe it was something down the line but in all fairness angel only lasts for five seasons yeah. and this child hasn't even been born yet right so i'm not opposed i like there is part of me that goes yes i actually i would love to know more about this i want to know why this tribunal's like your choice is we protect you or you die like that's fucked up but at the same time, it's it's very kind of similar to those um, the children that they had to protect in Blind Date last season. Uh, these are one-off storylines, even though the implications are that they have worldwide consequences. But I almost kind of like that in a way because it just makes this world feel so much bigger. Exactly. That this storyline really has nothing to do with Angel's story except for this brief moment that they intersect. Um, and I that's part of the reasons I think the Buffy-verse is so rich and could be, like, honestly, we could have a... The Buffy-verse could be very Star Trek-like of, like... Um, all sorts of spinoffs that maybe don't necessarily have to do with any of these characters but exist in this world because Buffy and Angel have done such a good job of establishing how big this world is. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Um, so uh, Angel takes down, decides to take down the whiteboard um, and uh, yeah, and everybody realizes like, you know what, we shouldn't be keeping count. Um, we're, we're all about like just helping people. And, uh, so Angel says that, um, Angel says that he has somewhere to go, and, uh, he ends up going to a, an L.A. prison, where we get a special guest appearance by Eliza Dushku as Faith. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, and they're kind, and it's kind of revealed that, uh, Angel has been periodically visiting her, um, she faith had not had a good day because a uh, because a girl like tried to start a fight with can a. I, can I, can yeah. I say what her line is because yeah. it's so funny. So yeah, someone attacked her, and Faith goes, uh, "It's it's a great line because it's funny, but it also does actually show quite a bit of growth from Faith. Uh, we see that she's empathizing with this person, but her line is, she had low self esteem and a homemade knife." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, and she did talk about how she kind of wanted to kill her, but she didn't. 
and um, and uh, then she's like, "Well, how how are you doing? How was your day?" He's like, "I just sing Barry Manilow in public in front of people." And she's like, "Oh my god, here I am talking about my day." <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and that's kind of how they leave off. Um, I really like that you never really. There's no indication that the Faith cameo is coming. Um, I but it's nice because it's, it doesn't throw that storyline away. Yeah. Um, this episode would have been fine without the Faith cameo, but her cameo at the end there is just a cherry. On yeah. Top. Like, yeah, and it's and it's really nice because um, this episode really does it kind of like in a sm- like really kind of encapsulate the idea of the show of redemption because Angel does something wrong mm-hmm. um, and he tries to make up for it. I mean, that's the theme of the show. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and also, Faith is a reminder of that theme. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is Judgment. Yeah. Um, I, I really like this episode a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because I haven't seen it since my first watch through, I think, of uh Buffy and Angel and uh and yet I knew immediately how the episode started off. I knew that it started off with the host singing and I almost was going to say like, and I think he sings I will survive. Um cuz this I remember this episode thinking um I think season 2 of Angel is fantastic. Yeah. It has some great moments but also the show really comes into its own. And becomes the show that it is for the rest of the series. Um, and also a really awesome fin- like last few episodes. Yeah. But we'll get there. Uh, and this episode... But this episode is such a great way to kick it off. And like it... After... You know, I'd say season one of Angel is kind of like... You know, I don't know. Um, but uh, I was... I was re-energized into watching Angel when I saw the season two premiere. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it four, uh, four homemade knives out of five. Nice. I agree. I think this is such a strong premiere. It's like I like I said at the Buffy premiere last week. It's confident. Like it knows what story it's telling, and it knows what foundation it needs to set for what's coming forward. It's telling a pretty low-key, small story. Um, uh, this one's relying less on humor than Buffy versus Dracula, but also Angel in general relies less on humor. Um, but it's there. Oh, it's definitely there. Speaking of which, um, during the credits, we do get uh, outtakes of David Boreanaz singing Mandy, and it's hilarious. I love how those outtakes go from more in character progressing to is just David Boreanaz <laughs> yeah. by the end. Um, yeah, no, it's it's so this this you know the the story itself with Joe is ultimately kind of inconsequential, but that's okay. Like that doesn't bother me, and I feel like her character is, um, not I mean not outrageously three dimensional. She's she's definitely serving a purpose in the plot, but she's uh, I empathize with her with her and I think Justine Machado does a great job. I I certainly have an easier time empathizing with her than I did with um uh movie star Mick wants to live forever. <laughs> I can't even remember her name. Yeah. Like um uh yeah and I 
I love that we see Gun getting brought into the fold a little more. I'm not like uh, slowly, but surely. Um, and yeah, and I love that at the end of the first season we got that like here's Angel's reward, right, with the Shanshu prophecy. And I love that this episode says we're not there yet. We're not there yet, yeah. and it might not be easy. And there will definitely be bumps along the road, and maybe some of those bumps might be named Darla. Oh. <laughs> so I'd like to uh, like to do some bumps with Darla. I, you know <laughs> Fuck it, I'm real gay, but I don't know. Julie Ben hey, is very you, hot. You can acknowledge hot regardless of gender. Yes, I know. I absolutely can. I'm, I'm just saying I could go to pound town with Julie Benz. Okay, yeah. If she wanted to. Yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the most, like, the sexiest thing in the world is consent. Uh, this is a four for me as well. Uh, four consenting Darla's out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, we really, really, we really have like a goldfish was, memories there. She was stroking that globe. You know what I mean? <laughs> and by that, I mean she was literally stroking a globe. Yes, she was. Uh, which is actually not, the one that is not too dissimilar to mine. Yeah. Um, Do you want to have a minute with that globe? I've had a lot of time with that globe. <laughs> like, as in I've had that globe since I was like 10. Ah. Um, well, um, yeah. Uh, anything else? I don't think so. No. I don't. Then I believe you should take us out, my friend. I'll, I'll take you out. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if that was sexual or a threat. It might have been both. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, he's terrified. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Buffy Season 5, Episode 2, Real Me. I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357 and on Twitter at just plain old yamij. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman or on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. Uh, I also write a blog, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com. This week, uh, I'm I'm out of my Halloween theme month. You only got one week of it with the worst one. Um... But my this week's movie is the uh, Swedish version of. Can you guess which movie? Just because I said Swedish, let the right one in. Let the right one in. Um, it's super enjoyable. It's a great movie. I actually think both versions um, are actually really solid adaptations. I agree. I agree. Of a really great novel, and there's also a play version that's really really good. Um, at least based on. The script that I've read, mm-hmm. I've never seen it. Um, so yeah, let the right one in. All right, uh, good one. I look forward to reading that one. Oh. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail The and is spelled out in all those cases, A N D. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week, we like to give a shout-out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting Power to Decide. Founded in 1996, Power to Decide believes that when people have the power to decide if, when, and under what circumstances to get pregnant and have a child, they have more opportunity to achieve the futures they want. They work with uh, 
sorry, they work to ensure that all young people, no matter who they are, where they live, or what their economic status might be, have the power to decide if, when, and under what circumstances to get pregnant and have a child. They envision a culture in which there is a system of support that makes it possible for every person to achieve reproductive well-being. Visit www.powertodecide.org for more information. Nice. It was really difficult to find a a pregnancy-related charity that wasn't aggressively pro-life. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, or as I should let me let me backtrack that aggressively anti-choice um, as always go slay and be gay stroke that globe <laughs>